So these preachers are like forearm and back arm. We hit in the same direction, but it comes out differently. So you can only back hand slow now. Right, so are you ready for the back hand? Okay, Lord Jesus, we're just going to come before a King of Kings. Um, to whom all authority in heaven and on earth belong. You are really worthy of it all, not in some mantra, not in some formula. But from the depths of our hearts, Lord, we want to we say, you the person, the real, the living, the present, the powerful. Lord, we thank you that you have bowed down this morning to hear praises, and to hear the words from our mouths. And Lord, I, I thank you that you help us to see the invisible. Um, I thank you that you are, are opening our eyes to the realities of heaven. Pray for a legitimate work of the Spirit uh, in every heart. Lord, we don't want to be limited by our expectations this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you want to do over and above what we are imagining you want to. And we ask you for that, Lord, that this morning, Holy Spirit, in a mighty way, you will be working the purposes of God uh, in our midst. Oh, Jesus, we welcome you. We pray that you'll be exalted in some way. Amen. Right. So it's... Uh, it's good to be together like this. Um, I don't know if it's necessary for me to introduce myself. My name is Cassie. I think I've met most people here in the, in the building, so I'm not going into the details. Um, but it's a privilege. And um, to some extent, uh, the privilege is not limited by the fact that we're doing a second service. Because it's, it's, it's different because it's alive. It's not a... a um, like a copy-paste thing. It's a, it's a finding where the Lord is right now for every one of us. And can I say, I believe that the Spirit of God will be speaking to our hearts, whether you're listening for the first time or for the second time. I believe there will be a touching. So the, the, the topic of the, of the preach, and I think that where the Lord is, <clears throat> I've called it the privilege of opening the door. The privilege of opening the door. And in this case, it's opening the door for Jesus. All right? So I'm preaching for a verdict, and here is the verdict, um, that at the end, we will see there's such a privilege and such an opportunity in front of us, um, and that we, can, that we can open the door to limitless possibilities, because that is who our King is, that is who Jesus is. He's got such ability for change, such an ability to impact, and, and, and I, I believe that afterwards, we will, we will really look for opportunities. After this morning, there will be this greater sense of, Lord, where can I open the door for you? This is what I'm aiming for, all right? Let's see if we hit it. Now, the, the context um, of the last few weeks, so this is just the recapping. For those who have missed some sessions, this is where we are. You are here, okay? The, the, um, the, the, the context is we've been speaking about building, building God's house, building with God, building in the kingdom. And we've had a few preachers concerning that. And then Andrew came. And Andrew Selly was preaching, listen here, without the person of Jesus, there will be nothing of eternal significance. If we don't find 
uh, it, the life flowing from the person of Jesus, we will be building useless, temporary, of nothing of eternal. So he emphasized the value of the person. Then Kala came in the next week, and he emphasized us being awake to the purposes of God, being able to tap into that which the Spirit is doing now, and, and, and not necessarily being awake to what is happening in the physical so much as is happening in the spiritual. And can I just issue a, a challenge out here? Can we maybe challenge one another at times with the following? Um, do you, have you read the news lately? And then maybe somebody would say yes or no, or I, I don't do news or, or whatever. Um, and that is obviously refers to South African local, what some uh, um, person has written. What name is I? Reporter. Well, I commentator. I can't even know what I commentator is now. Reporter. <laughs> All right. In the natural. And then let's go over and say, have you heard the spiritual news lately? Have you been tapping into what the Spirit of the Lord is declaring concerning today, concerning the time? What is the news in the spiritual realm? Because the reality is, if we are building with Jesus, if we're building with the Spirit, we need to be hearing something. We need to be reading something. We need to be picking up something. And you know what? The, the one privilege that I have is when we do meetings together, when we do the prayer meetings, the communities, or worship meetings, or whatever time we're getting together, it helps me to get a picture of what the spiritual climate is, of what is happening. Somebody sent me a dream this week. Uh, Dawn sent me a, a dream this week. So some of you would know Francois and Dawn. They've been visiting for a while, and Dawn had a dream. Here is the intro to her dream. I don't get dreams. This is the intro. This is a very vivid dream. It sounds strange. There was. And, and, and then the dream continues. But the bottom line is, we need to hear those things. Okay? We need to be hearing. What is the, what are the, what is the Spirit saying right now? And we need to hear it in one another's dreams and scriptures. And what is the Lord saying to you and you and you and you? Ah, oh, I think this is where the Lord is. It's important for us. So the challenge is, have you heard the latest spiritual news? Okay, can we ask one another that? Let's press in. It'll be a bit uncomfortable, but it's good for us. Here's Dawn's dream. She was walking with Francois in the streets of Paul. She said it was scary because nearly all the buildings were burning. But in the same streets that they were walking in, there were, there were rivers of water flowing down. And then they entered the building, and there were people around a candle busy praying. And she said it was pleasant. It was, it, was, it was like godly praying. It wasn't like the occultic. But it wasn't secret. And then the dream ended. She felt that um, it probably refers to calamities happening in the natural but that there is already water flowing in our streets because people have been praying. And there's an invitation for us to join in that which is already happening and to increase the flow. All right. Isn't that good? I, I, I thought it's beautiful because it's one of the things that we are trusting for, that the Spirit of the Lord will be poured on every single person, sons and daughters, old and young, that there will be a dreaming of dreams, that there will be a seeing of visions, legitimate encounters, saying what God is doing right now. And I believe this is one of them. All right. Beautiful that it comes through her who is, who is 
let's call it careful with the contribution that she brings. And she says, I've had this dream. All right. Now, when we see anything good happening on earth, anything whatsoever, um, there are usually two parties involved, God and man. All right? Without the co-laboring, things probably won't happen. All right? So there's a saying that says, without him, we can't. Without us, he won't. All right? Without him, we can't. Without us, he won't in some way. All right? Obviously, the question is always, what is God's responsibility? And what is our responsibility? And how much of what? And hence, you get all kinds of doctrinal lines and teaching lines and differences, how people try and work this out while reading the same Bible, all right? It is difficult to find the balance, can I just say? It's difficult. I get that. And everyone thinks, I've got the truth, all right? But if you listen to everyone, it's a little bit of a, a difference where they land with the truth. <laughs> but here's the thing. There's the elephant and the ant, all right, that have to make the bridge shake. Somehow, even if it is our everything that we give as the ant, we've got the inability to make the bridge shake if we don't move with the Lord, if there's not something where we're in the Lord. And that, is, does, that has nothing to do with whether the ant gave his everything, whether the ant was well-trained, well-disciplined, faithful, and all the rest. He will not shake the bridge even if he got all the other ants to do the same. <laughs> well, I don't think so. <laughs> but the, the, the bottom line is, in your and my life, our ability to, bring, uh, to produce anything good or produce anything of eternal significance, bring any change to our world. And can we just say, our world needs change? Well, I'm, I'm persuaded. I'm frustrated with the amount of change that my country needs. I'm frustrated with the inability that I have of bringing that about. I'm frustrated with how much change I need and my inability to bring it about. My family needs, my church needs. Or shouldn't I say that? <laughs> the reality is, I think we have got, even in our best, we've got so little. And so Psalm 127 would, for example, say, unless the Lord builds, in vain would we be building. Right? I think, I think Rowan probably mentioned that. Unless the Lord guards, in vain, in vain, in vain, in vain. It means you tried your best and it didn't make any difference. You tried your best to reach that person. I was confronted with that this week. I had a patient die. My patient, as far as I could see, didn't serve Jesus. That brings me to one equation. He is at this moment in eternal damnation. He's in eternal torment of which there is no escape. And he passed through my doors a number of times. And maybe I was the only chance that he had. And I'm frustrated with that. I'm confronted with an inability to save people that I know are dying. And I know I've got the answer. And I, somehow, somehow, he still dies. And, and, and so I had this reality check again. It's not my first one. It's not going to be my last one. But I was asking myself, is there not a better way? And so this morning as we're considering our, our, our limitations, 
I want to propose the way of bringing Jesus into the consideration in a greater way. Right, please stay with me. So, Romans 7 is a passage that speaks about Paul's wrestling. And Paul wrestles with something similar. The context is slightly dim, uh, different, but the result is exactly the same. And so here in the Romans 17, uh, in 7, verse 18, he says, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. So that is in my own resources. There, there, there's there's uh, one of the other passages in, in uh, Corinthians. He, he would say, um, what do you have that you have not received? There's nothing that you inherently have that is good, that is able to do anything, to bring anything about. Um, for I have the desire, Paul says, to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So he speaks about something. We're caught in the, in the, I want to do the things of the law, but I cannot fulfill it. And he speaks about the dilemma. And then he says, oh, who will deliver me? I'm a wretched man. Uh, verse, verse, a little bit later, he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And we are caught in the, in the, in the somewhere in between, caught in strands of wretchedness, in, 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 in all kinds of curses. You know, it was interesting to me, I was, I was reading a bit of um, Deuteronomy in the, in the week. And in Deuteronomy, God tells the whole nation to say the following. Cursed be the man who does this. Cursed be the man who does this. Cursed be the man who does this. Cursed. And the whole nation says, yes, yes, yes. Do you know what a weight of curse is released upon the people? It's godly curses, and we are caught in them. It's not the devil, all right? Can I just say that? God brings curses. The whole Bible is full of them. As a matter of fact, if we, if we, if we, if we read at some stage the blessings and the curses, the list of curses is about, I would guess now, three times as long as the list of blessings. It's terrible. And somewhere, the devil still gets some other people to curse us too, I think he's doing unnecessary work. We've got enough, you know? It's just forget about it. You're, you're too late. I'm already in the curse. Okay. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thank God. Thank God. And then he goes, in Romans 8.3, he speaks about this, deliver, this, this thing. For God has done what the law, through the weakness of my flesh, was not able to do. I.e., God has done what I couldn't do. And it speaks of righteousness. It speaks of salvation. I get that. I get that. But you know what? That thing can be copied and pasted into every other situation of our lives. When Jesus starts speaking, he says, without me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, what does nothing mean? Because to some extent, if Jesus doesn't help me, we think we can still get up. We can still eat our breakfast. We can still maybe get our breakfast. And we would have atheists who say, Jesus is a myth. God doesn't exist. And they go about life pretty much as other people. So it seems I can do things without Jesus. Reality is obviously there's got to be a sustaining uh, um, patient one behind the scenes. And I, I, I do get that. I do get that. But it seems like you don't need God. But I think when he says, 
Without me, you can do nothing. We're speaking of something of spiritual significance, okay? It speaks of, of bringing about change for the good, not you're just continuing on your way to death. Because here's the reality. We are not, we are not the living ones this side of death. We are the dying ones, right? One day we will be the living ones. Okay, I know, I know, I know I'm mixing it up. But, but to some extent, we're in the world of the dying, all right? The moment that we are born, we start dying. If you do biology, you would see there's a, in your genetics, you've got a specific length of genetic material. And as time goes by, this thing gets cut shorter in reality. That's really what happens. And then at some stage, the line is gone, all right? So we are on that side, on the dying side. Obviously in our bodies, I get that. But I mean, we're on the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the land of the dying. And in this land, there's no chance of life unless it flows out of, out of Jesus. We have to somehow find him. I mean, okay, I'm in the diversion. Let me get back to Jesus. <laughs> um, let's, let's think for a moment of God, the living God. At the center of the universe, there is someone right now with immense ability, um, who's got the ability with one sentence from his mouth to power a billion stars. He's got the ability to speak, let light be, and the lights go on, and they continue on with just the power involved in that sentence. And, and they don't just go on, they get, they get sustained by the power in that sentence. That very, that very same person is able to notice a planet down there somewhere, a speck of dust. And on that speck of dust, he's able to notice every one of these seven billion or whatsoever. Small beings, small, small, small beings. I mean, they're on a speck of dust. So if you do seven billion specks on a speck, it's very small. And then in each one of them, he's able to Know the hairs of their head, the turmoils of their hearts, their past, their present, and their future. He knows the desires. He knows the wrestlings. He knows the frustrations, and he loves them, and he wants to be involved there. So somehow there's this person of immense capacity and immense gentleness at the same time reaching out with pain, reaching out with tremendous effort to get our attention, to help us become aware of Him. And now, the, the, the funny thing um, about this God, if I say funny, the strange, the, the, the weird thing, is that here He's got the ability to power a billion stars, thousands and thousands, name them all, know where they are right now, and know where all, all of us are, and somehow he doesn't just step in and automatically does what he wants to do. But he gives us the key. And he says, by implication, here is earth. You're allowed to open into your earth or shut out what you want to. You can open when you want to. You can shut when you want to. Earth, to some extent, is yours. And if you want to, you can shut me out too. Or obviously, open up to me. And, um, I mean, obviously, if I'm, if I'm saying this, you would say, um, it doesn't sit with my theology. I'm not quite sure, Cassie, what are you meaning, all right? And, and let me for a moment 
just consider what I'm meaning. All right, so I've got a few examples um, to, to, to back what I think um, God is saying. And, uh, and the first example is in, um, Jessica, you can just run them through, Luke 10 too. So in Luke 10, um, we are speaking of a God who gave blood. He gave his son. He was willing to kill his son. And God says, I have a harvest. I have people. I want to reach them. And then um, Jesus, who's speaking here, says the following, God wants the harvest, but you need to ask for the harvesters, which is strange, obviously, because I mean, like, why the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord? He turns it wherever he wants to. Why doesn't he just turn the harvesters? Why does he want us to be involved? But the bottom line is he wants to, whether we understand why or not. So it says, the harvest plentiful, pray earnestly to the Father to do what he wants to do. That is, send the harvesters. Matthew 24, 20, something similar. It speaks of um, calamity. Now we need to know, so this is end time stuff. or it's, it's, it's tribulation stuff. It's stuff where Jesus said bad things are going to happen. Like Rome will burn. There will be persecution like you've never known. Jesus is speaking about difficult, difficult times. And those times are determined by one person in the universe. Do you know that? Okay? Jesus doesn't know those times. And the Spirit doesn't know those times. Only the Father. Okay? And we definitely don't know the times. We know seasons but we don't know times. And he gives us sort of, hey, the season is getting closer, you know? We, we know seasons. But here, the God who will decide the time gives us an input in the time. He says, pray concerning the timing, which I'm going to decide. But you pray that it's not in Sabbath, that it's not in winter, and to some extent that you won't be pregnant during that time. Okay? Um... Isn't that weird? Why would, why would God not just not do it in winter? I mean, why, why would he just not pick a Wednesday rather than a Sunday? Or a Sabbath, is Friday, Saturday. All right? Why would he ask us to be praying this prayer? Isn't there many question marks in your head? Well, in mine there is. Okay? And Matthew 6.13, similar question mark. Um, it's the prayer, well-known prayer, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, all the things. And then it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's one portion of the Father's prayer, the prayer given to us, which I nearly never pray because I don't understand it. It's a dumb thing to not, uh, only pray by what you understand. But I mean, like, uh, okay, but, but here's my confession. I, I nearly never pray that. But God says we should. So what is my problem? My problem is I think the Lord doesn't tempt anyone. He is, he's like for me to win. He doesn't, it's the devil. And, but somehow, somehow God wants us to pray that he will not lead us into temptation. He wants us to pray it, okay? I, I don't know why, okay, but he wants us to pray it. He wants us to pray what he wants to do. 1 Timothy 2, 1 verse 4. So 1 Timothy 2, um, 1 2 verse 4, speaks about prayer. And he says, I want you to be praying. So Paul is writing. He says, guys, oh, and, the, and the first chapter, there's just something so beautiful. It says, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and honor. And then he says, I want you to pray. Okay? So this is the context. But then he says, first of all then, I urge that prayers will be done. Pray for those who are ruling. Pray 
for those who need to be saved. Because God desires everyone to be saved. God desires everyone to live in peace. This is God's desire. So God wants it, but He wants us to ask it of Him. Again, this example. And so what I'm, what I'm, um, what I, what I, what I'm seeing here in Scripture, and I'm sure that I can pull out a few more examples if we want to go down the line. But I mean, I've, I've mentioned four examples here of things where we would say, why do I need to pray it? Why doesn't God just do what He wants to do? Why doesn't He just come and save the people that He wants to save? Give peace where He wants peace. Send the calamity when and where He wants it. Whatever the next thing is, send the harvesters. Why doesn't God just do it, which He wants to do? And I think the, the reason is our role, the key in our hands, that which He's given us, somehow we cannot sit back and expect the things of God to take place if we don't do our part. Okay? And this is the our part. So none of us can hide here, like, God, just do what you want to do. No, no, no. What is your part? None of us can say, yeah, I'm going to save the world, but not draw on the elephant, you know, to shake the city, to make his voice heard. And so um, we, we are, we are um, given some weird, strange, heavy responsibility of opening the door to change. Um, and, and here's the thing. When we pray, we are confronted. I know this is one of the hindrances to prayer. We are confronted with our inability to pick the right words. Okay? Like, how does this formula go that change will be? Abracadabra. No, it didn't work. Okay. Uh, Shh. <laughs> oh, you look at the distance, you just think, oh, well, I can't do any of those. Um, oh, I'm just giving up. I, I don't think I'm, <laughs> I can't do that. You know, here's the thing. Here's the thing that we need to know. If we can understand this, I think our liberty to ask will increase so much more. Our prayers don't save anyone. It's not the prayer that brings the change. A person brings the change. Jesus brings the change, but our responsibility is to invite the change-bringing person into a situation, i.e., we are the doorkeepers of earth. We open the door to a king with limitless possibilities. We roll out the red carpet. Nelleke would say, die rooi looper. Is hy daar? Die rooi looper. We roll it out in the way that, that, that we invite, in the way that we position. There is something where we come and we say, okay, I don't know exactly how to, in inverted commas, win the war, but I know somebody who does, and I'm going to invite him in. You know, I, I, I told the first, uh, the first service, and I, and I want to tell it again. At some stage, I was wrestling with a situation that, that was increasing in, 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 in effect. It was, a, it was a situation that there was... There was, it seemed like I was praying, but there was no effect. And I came to the following prayer. I said, Lord, I want you personally to be involved in this situation. To some extent, I don't want an angel. I don't want any other messenger. I, don't want, I want you to, to, to step in. And then I was confronted like, I, I don't know whether I can ask the king this, you know. It's like, oh, am, I, am I allowed to pray like this? 
And as I, as, I, as I re-examined myself, I came to a conclusion that there's a king who desires to be involved in a much greater way than, than what I was imagining. That there is a person who, who relishes the opportunity to demonstrate power. What do I mean with relish? Relish is lekker krijgen. Nee? Lekker. Now, if you know somebody with a 4 by 4 Bucky, they look for an opportunity <laughs> to drive through something that will demonstrate what the vehicle can do. To some extent, they look for trouble, okay, to show that this design can get you out of the trouble, okay? They would design troubles <laughs> to demonstrate the ability of the vehicle. When the disciples walked this earth, there was some uh, a triumphant uh, 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 spirit around them. It must have been so exhilarating. Initially, it, it, was, the, it was the fear, you know, like you come in the storm, it seems like the boat is going to sink, and then he calms the storm. Then you come in the storm, and you think you're not going to get on the other side, and then Jesus walks on the water. And then you come uh, into the storm, and Jesus gets into the boat, and as he gets into the boat, you're already at the other side. And then you come, and then they're thinking like, bring it on. Can we not find another storm, you know? Like, like, like God, hear me. I'm Peter. I'm John. I I'm looking for a better storm, please, Lord, because I want to see what my Jesus is going to do. I'm totally convinced that after you've seen him feed the 5,000 and seen him feed the 4,000 and seen him walk through the, through the, through the, through the armies of the Jews and, and, and just multiply and provide. And, and, and at some stage, it must have been so invincible that it's like, what is there my Jesus cannot do? Like I want, and I'm so persuaded that Jesus, where he is right now, at the right hand of the Father, is backed by all the power of heaven, the spirit without limit, the power of God without limit. In that, to some extent, he's saying, what challenge can I meet for you? I relish an opportunity to demonstrate power. He is looking for a place to be involved. And can I just say, that the Bible says God so loved the world that he was willing to write the letter in blood. He was willing to give himself. There is no uh, ability that God has, if I can say there's a limit to his ability. There's no greater way in which God can communicate his love, in which God can commit, uh, communicate his commitment, in which God can communicate his desire to be involved than that which he's already done, writing it in the blood of the only son. It is the darling of heaven that was murdered by the father who loved him at the hands of sinners. But I mean, it was God himself who, who, who made that thing play out as it did, designed it to some extent. There's no way in which God can, in a greater way, say, I want to be involved in your municipality, in your workplace, in your personal life, in your family. He's, he cannot ex express it in a greater way. But it is for us to, to somehow open the door. Let's see how Daniel did it. So Daniel, in Daniel um, chapter 9, Daniel is an older man. He is in the, in, in, in a, he's serving a king 
It's the first year of the king, but it's not the first year of Daniel, right? He's been here. He's done this. Um, I think it's the third or fourth king, King Darius. And in the first year of his reign, verse 2, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years. All right. So Daniel is reading his Bible, and he sees Jeremiah prophesied 70 years, and the 70 years probably are nearly up. All right. He's seeing like the time has come. And then he does something. I turned my face, verse 3, to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And then I said, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. I want to, as, as Daniel does this, opening the door for God to do what God wants to do, I want us to see a few things just to remind us. One, Daniel was searching the scriptures. If we are looking for the will of God, we have to do that which Jesus said. We have to stay in the word. We have to, as a congregation, we cannot open the door for Jesus properly without being in the word. We can, but we can't. We limit our ability. We limit our expectation. We limit our own views. We limit the place from which we speak. You know, two people can be praying exactly the same prayer, but the results are so vastly different. I'm so, I'm so blessed by this paradox. You know that the disciples and the Pharisees were, were, were asking exactly the same question, all right? But they got totally two different answers. Um, the, 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 the Pharisees, Jesus comes and, and he says to the lame man that has just come through the roof, rise up, your sins are forgiven, rise up and walk. And what are they asking? What man is this? The disciples, they are in the boat. It's stormy. Jesus comes and he, and he rebukes the storm. And they ask the same question. What man is this? But they get two totally different answers. The one gets nothing. And the other one gets the revelation of you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We have to be in that place where we can get the revelation. Tenderness in the word. We've got to seek it. So Daniel is there. And he's asking, God, what is your will? What, what's the season? What is, to some extent, what is the news of the Spirit? And he gets the news. And then he does what I'm saying, what we should be doing right now. He prays that which God wants to do. And he says, I believe the time is up. But he doesn't sit back. He doesn't just raise the flag or shout to the king, hey, king, we're on our way. No matter what you do, you're not seeing us again. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He gives himself and he fasts for the purposes of God, which he believes. So he's not at a place of the Lord said, and therefore it will be. No, he's at a place of the Lord said, therefore I need to pray. Amen. And he does that. And so he prays for what God um, uh, wants. And then he does something which I believe we need to do more. And that is declaring who our God is before lifting up the need Declaring who our God is is one of the most important disciplines that we as the people of God should learn. It's something that you, that you learn. Um, telling God who He is sounds like such a, um, a funny exercise. But I want to say that like many things, it is for us that we need to say who God is. It's not for God. 
To some extent, we need to remind ourselves. But as we do this, God, this is who you are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, Lord, that, that for a moment, rather than consider the need in South Africa, consider the COVID virus or consider the, the, the people who are dying in Madagascar or consider whatever calamity or injustice, I'm gonna, for a moment, I'm going to consider that, God, you are the creator of the heavens and earth. And without your instruction, no one moves, not a mosquito flies. God, I'm coming before him who gave blood. God, I'm coming before. And that ability opens up realms of faith, which we actually need to have. We need to practice. Come practice with us. We are all practicing. But I want to urge us, I want to encourage us, find some believers and practice with them this one thing. And maybe you cannot come on a, on whenever we are praying together. Then get some friends and do it a different time. But pray and pray together this one thing. God, you are. We praise you for who you are. We appreciate who you are. Just declaring the great king. And then out of that, let's trust him. Now, our God, the Lord Jesus. I probably need to finish, but I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm not in a hurry. Is there somebody who's got some... Bake in the oven. No one has got appointments here, do you? <laughs> All right, I'm finishing, I'm finishing. Five minutes. John 14. And Jesus is speaking. And he's saying, I'm going to do myself. I'm going to do for you a few things. All right, let's just read John 14. He says, Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, funny thing. This I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Why is it a funny thing? Uh, why do you ask Jesus in the, in the name of Jesus? Like, you know, in the name of Jesus, it doesn't mean you add in the name of Jesus after your sentence. It means there's something that you, that you are asking representing him, all right? So, so Uriah, I'm coming on behalf of Henny. Won't you give me the keys? He wants the, what's it? So I'm asking in the name of Henny. I'm not, it's Henny wants the keys for whatever the keys is he wants or, or, or whatever he wants, you know? It's like, I am coming on behalf of someone, but now here is Uriah, I'm coming on behalf of Uriah to ask for, and it's like, what? Have you lost your marbles? It's, it's, it's like, get real, I am the one in whose name you are coming. Okay. <laughs> but somehow, this is what we need to do. It's this funny circle that I've just now said. We ask Jesus for the things that Jesus wants to do. And then Jesus says, ah, and then I will do it. Okay, good. Let's just take note of that. So if you ask anything in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified. It gives a, it gives a direction to our prayers, that the Father may be glorified. And then he goes on following. And he says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So, so, so the first thing that I want to take out of the scripture is Jesus says, I want to be personally involved. And you can ask me, Jesus says. You, you should be asking the Father, and, and, and can I say, we, we, it's not as if we don't direct prayers to the Father. Probably most of our prayers are directed to the Father. Everyone in the universe prays to the Father, including Satan. Do you know that Satan asks permission from the Father before he does things? The Bible is, you can speak to me afterwards. I don't have time now. Jesus asks the Father, and the Spirit asks the Father, and therefore we also ask the Father. But Jesus says, I want you to ask me things too about my mission that I came to accomplish. And do you know what? I personally will be doing it. We can open the door 
for Jesus' personal involvement in a greater way than we've ever imagined. I am persuaded that our expectation about what Jesus wants to do is far below his desire to do things. And if we can stir one another with that encouragement, it's like, Jesus wants to be involved in your workplace, in your school, in your child's life, in your womb. He wants to be involved. He wants to write things where no one else can write on hearts. He wants to inscribe something. He wants to do something. But then he goes further. And in John 15, I haven't given the, the scripture to Yeska. You probably haven't. Oh, beautiful. Donkey Yeska. In John 15, Jesus goes further and he says, you know what? If you remain in me, if that, if that intimacy between us is of such a nature that you are lining yourself up where I am and you are staying in my word, you abide in me, then he goes and he opens it up further. He doesn't just say, if you come in my name. He says, ask whatever you desire. If you have aligned yourself up with my purposes, I want to tell you a story about Smith Wigglesworth. Smith, Smith Wigglesworth apparently had a garden that was full of stones. And at some stage, he knelt down and prayed and said, God, I've got a, a garden full of stones. I want them there. In the name of Jesus, every stone will be removed from this garden. This was the prayer of Smith Wigglesworth. Apparently, the next day, all the stones were gone from the garden. Every single one. They were lying in a heap. <laughs> next door. <laughs> and the neighbor's gone. So the neighbor came to Smith. He said, Smith, what have you done? Here are all your stones, and they're in my garden. And apparently Smith answered him. He says, if you can move them back, move them. I want to say that the, the, the scope of what can happen increases dramatically as we give ourselves to the mission of Jesus and asking Him. So that thing will play out if we seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. If we seek it, if we, if we fast for it like Daniel did. There is a scope of other possibilities where He to some extent gives a checkbook and says, you're a faithful servant, write in the book what you want and it will be done for you. And He moves on. Amazing. Amazing. Our God and the things He desires to do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You, Lord, that the things which You want to do are more than our, what we imagine. It's more that we can think or ask. It's more than what we can pray. And it's all there. And Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that if there's any one of us who has limited You in our asking, and I believe it's all of us, I pray that this morning somehow we will become so confident in the person of our God, in you, Lord Jesus, you who is walking amongst the lampstands, you who hold the stars in your hands, you who have a sword coming from your mouth, you who is able to know that tomorrow before it has happened. Lord, I pray, God, that with confidence, with boldness, Every single one of us, Lord, will come to a throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace for every time of need. Lord, I thank you, God, that, 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 that we have not seen and heaven has not seen what you want to do through us. And Lord, somehow, Lord, there will be a, a, a liberty that breaks open in our hearts. 
to ask and keep on asking, to invite and to prepare the way for the king to step in. Lord, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you for your desire to be involved in every one of our lives. And Lord, I pray, God, that wherever we have limited you in our expectations, in our affections, I pray that those limitations will be removed even right now by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will move and that to some extent you will, you will touch us with, with some oil. You will touch us with the blood of Jesus. Whatever they curse, curse of silence there was upon our lives, whatever intimidation there has been, whatever disqualification the devil has said, you cannot ask the king. Lord, I pray that that will be removed right now and that there will be a liberty and faith on the inside that says, I can ask my God anything. I can ask him to be involved. And Lord, I pray that colleagues will benefit because of this morning. I pray that schools will benefit because of this morning. I, I pray that nurseries and municipalities and, and, and lives will benefit because of this morning, Lord, as we boldly go out, rolling out the red carpet, opening, unlocking the possibilities of God. Lord, we want to confess this morning that we do not know how and what we should be praying. But we thank you, Lord, that you want to come to our aid. And this I pray, Lord, that we'll be praying in tongues more than ever before. I pray that we will pray without ceasing. I pray that we, will, that we will pray with confidence, knowing that it's not our words, but our King that makes the difference. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you want to, that you are able to, and that you will bless us. We believe it. Glorify your name. Amen. Nelika also wants to say something. Thank you. Okay, so I just felt this morning um, I want to add to this um, storm that Cassie has prayed up. Amen. Yes and amen. But there's also something that I want to um, encourage us. Could, could you stand up with me? Because I'm going to pray that we're going to do the right thing at the right time. It's almost like there is timing for everything and then there's the right thing for everything and that we will be in the natural, not able to see it, but in the spirit so that God will show us what is the timing and what is the right thing to do? So can we pray? Okay, Lord Jesus, thank you that we can stand in unity and agreement this morning, Lord, and thank you that we know that we can't do it, but we know, that we know the one who can. And I pray, Father, that you open up our eyes, that we will be able to see in the Spirit, Lord, what is the timing of things, Lord, and what we need to do the right thing at the right time, Lord, because we can mess it up so terribly. But I pray, Father, that you will show us, each one individually and us corporately, what we need to do, and that you will lead us in the timing and the right thing. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you, Gussie. Thank you, each one. I think the Lord is really inviting us to partner with Him. Just and, and stick to the process. We learn as we ask. Amen. Have a great day. Enjoy your week. And